O Lord, my God, you watch over our going out and our coming in. Lord, continue to protect us and keep us safe in the storm. Keep, keep us all safe in this hurricane. And as you do that, Lord, keep us safe and protected through life storms. Maybe there's some people even right now that this hurricane is, is, is like uh, what you're going through right now. And God, I just pray for people right now that you would be with them and help them, Lord. And God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts, that you would inspire us, Lord, to, to not just survive, but be overcomers, Lord, because you are in our lives. So I pray, Lord, for your touch upon your word. I pray for your Holy Spirit to anoint this time now. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, just last week, I was reading this article about Jita Storr. Uh, she's a 90-year-old Holocaust survivor from Long Island, New York, and she overcame another difficulty in her life. Basically, she got sick with COVID-19. During her life, this great-grandmother had faced so much adversity. Uh, her first husband died when she was 49, and just, just a few years ago, her second husband had passed away. And, and when she was a little girl, she was sent to Auschwitz and many members of her family died in the Holocaust. But she kept going and she, and, and she kept going. And you know what her, her saying is, as long as someone's eyes are open, there is hope. So when she got sick, it was touch and go for a while, but Jita didn't give up and eventually she got well and is recovering. And uh, she's inspiring. She also said this in an article. She said, if I could help people, then I'm the happiest around. I like that. That gives her joy in, in life, in her life. Now, it'll take some time for her to totally bounce back after being sick with the COVID. But the article made this comment. She is a force who has a lot more living to do. And I love that. And that's why I share this with you. You know, with that kind of attitude, you're, you're not just a survivor, but you are an overcomer. Now we return here today to our verse-by-verse -verse study in the book of 1 Thessalonians. And, and as we get into our passage here today, uh, the writer, the Apostle Paul, he shows how both him and the Thessalonian believers, they are not just survivors, but they are overcomers. And so the title of our message this morning is just that. You are overcomers. You are overcomers. We're going to be studying 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 from verse 14 through 20. We're going to finish off the chapter this morning and we're going to see three things about overcomings, overcomers. Number one, whether the adversity, that's what they do. Number two, they wait on God's justice. And number three, they work for the eternal prize. So let's get into number one, whether the adversity. That's what these overcomers do. That's what Paul, the Thessalonians do. They weather the adversity. Now, for this section, we're going to just look at one verse, verse 14. So let's read that right now. Verse 14, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. It says, For you, brothers, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews. 
We'll stop right there. Now we begin with the Apostle Paul writing here in verse 14, for you brothers. Now who's who's that? Who Who's he saying? Who's the you here? Well, it's the Thessalonian believers. It's those believers in the church in the city of Thessalonica, in that city in Greece. Now if you remember, Paul's been writing uh, here, and last week we saw in verse 13 that he was constantly thankful to God for how these believers respect and cherish the word. And that was our title last week. And so we saw how they were into the word. They believe what Paul said as the word of God. And it changed their lives. Matter of fact, at the end of verse 13, it says, which is at work in you. The word of God is at work in the believers. Well, he goes on here in verse 14, showing that there was more work that the word of God did. They were overcomers, not just survivors in the things and the adversity they're facing, but they became overcomers. Matter of fact, he writes here, the, the word was at work in them because they became imitators of the churches basically in Judea. Now, Judea is the southern part of Israel. And in that southern part in Judea is Jerusalem. So Paul's saying, hey, you guys are just like you're, that church in Thessalonica that is just like the churches there in Jerusalem where they had suffered the same kind of things you did, the persecution which came from their own countrymen. Now countrymen mean fellow citizens there. So they, the Thessalonians suffered just like the churches in Jerusalem or in the area of Judea there uh, they suffer from their fellow citizens, which are the Jews, Paul mentioned here. And so that's what Paul is saying here. He's saying just like the Jewish believers, the Thessalonians believers, they suffer persecution by the hand of their countrymen, which was Gentiles. And you know what? There was Jews there also. And I, I believe that's what Paul's pointing to here when he says the Jews. So just like their Jewish brethren, the Thessalonians, weather the adversity. These believers in Thessalonica, they became overcomers in how they weathered the adversity. Now we know there's persecution going on. I almost I say that almost every week, don't I? We know from Acts 17 what the Jews came in, they're jealous, they didn't like, they're upset. Paul came in, they're sharing in the synagogues, many people are becoming saved, and Gentiles even were becoming saved. So they hired some 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 guys to come in, incite the mob, and drive Paul out of town. So the church in Thessalonica, they were no stranger to persecution. They endured, they, they weathered the adversity. Now Paul is saying, you know, you guys imitators, you guys are just like that, just like what's going on in these churches here. And I believe Paul is assuring them to not be detoured at all, to not give up. Because you know what? What's happening to you is happening over there in Judea. This is the new normal. And in a sense, you know, all of the churches are going through this too. All the Christian, the believers go through this kind of persecution too. Paul actually wrote in 2 Timothy 3.12 that indeed all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, will suffer persecution. So Paul's like, hey, you guys, just like those churches, the other believers, you guys are suffering persecution too. And it's almost like he's like assuring them. And you know what? This is what Paul is encouraging the Thessalonians by saying overcomers become more than just survivors when you accept 
the suffering as part of the faith. That's really what he's pointing out here. Overcomers become more than just survivors when you accept the suffering as part of the faith. You know, I, I was thinking about at, late at night, sometimes you I hear a dog bark, you know. And usually, uh, you know, if you hear it, uh, uh, it's not, you know, usual, it's unusual. All of a sudden you hear this dog bark and you're thinking, whoa, what's going on? Right? Because dogs will bark. I mean, they'll do the happy bark when their master comes home. But when, when you hear that mean bark, you know something's up, right? Perhaps a stranger that they don't recognize is walking by and so they're barking that way. Or who knows, it could be our cats too. <laughs> Maybe that. But in general, you understand, right? We know dogs meanly bark at those who are strangers to them. Well, Paul's like saying, look, expect this persecution. Accept the adversity for the world will basically bark at believers because they're, not, they're strangers to them now. I mean, we were once in the world, we're not, but now believers in Christ, we're strangers to the world, so they're going to meanly bark at us. I think Paul was countering the lie of Satan. And, and I want to bring this up. I, I think he was reminding the Thessalonians what they were experiencing. Look, it's no different than the other churches, than the other believers, and what's going on is the world and these Jews are coming down on them. We're going through it too, he's saying. And, and I believe he is countering that. He was saying, look, you guys, you guys overcomers and overcomers become more than just survivors when you accept the suffering as part of the faith. Just expect, accept that. But I, I, I think he's countering the lie of Satan. And, and, and isn't this what happens to us? Isn't this what happens when we come against adversity or persecution. We step out to share Jesus and all of a sudden, whoo, things are blowing back on us and we think, whoa, what's going on here? And I'll tell you what, many times the enemy, Satan, can plant a thought in your mind and, and, and make a spin out of control here. I mean, listen, do you recognize this, this pattern? Like Satan will sow a thought in our minds. Like he'll start with, why is this happening only to me, right? Why, why is this happening to me? I was just trying. I'm, I'm just doing this, you know, Lord. I, I'm just trying to, to stay with you, God. And, and now my spouse is after me. Or I went to work. I tried to share a little bit about Jesus. Now they're all turned. And you turn to me and you start thinking, why is this happening only to me? And it starts with that. And then you assume that, well, it must be because I've done something wrong. And then you begin to decide that, well, God must be punishing me now. And then you hit bottom. And you know what bottom is? Here's this pattern. You end up at the bottom and you say, God must not love me. Maybe he doesn't accept me. I'm not his favorite. And, you know, maybe you say that because of past experience, like maybe how you grew up. Maybe, maybe you grew up in this thinking that, well, oh, things always happen to me. Or maybe my parents, I was, I was the one that was always left out and not the favorite. And so you start thinking, well, this about God. Well, God likes other people, but not me. I'm not his favorite. That guy, uh, the pastor over there, he's the favorite. And so be careful of that because this is a tactic of the enemy. He'll sow this thought and then you start spiraling downward and you hit bottom and you say, oh, God doesn't love me. He doesn't accept me. I must have done something wrong. But that is false thinking, you guys. That is not 
what God thinks about you who are in Jesus Christ. I want you to see something. Turn over to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. I want you to look at verse 9 here. So turn over to Philippians chapter 3, verse 9. And take a look what it says here. And I, and I, I really want you to like either underline or highlight or whatever you want to do. But mark this and put this into your mind. If you struggle, if, you, if Satan sows these thoughts in your mind, you start spiraling down, downhill like this. When persecution comes, adversity comes, you know, look at Open Philippians chapter 3 and look at verse 9. Paul wrote here, And be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. Paul's saying, I'm not righteous. I'm not accepted by God because of, of what I do. Of obeying well, you know, all the little things in the word and the law and everything like that. He goes, no, I don't find that acceptance and that righteousness before God in that. But he goes on in verse 9. But that which comes through faith faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. He says, no, my righteousness comes through faith in Christ. And what he's done in dying on the cross and rising again from the dead, his atonement for my sins. He says, my righteousness is from God. It's given to me through faith. So understand what Paul is saying here. Listen, you are already righteous before God if you're in Christ, because you believe in Christ, you accept the Christ and you're saved. You become a child of God. You're already righteous. You're already accepted and loved by God. And so do you understand what it's saying here in Philippians 3, 9? It is not based on your performance. It's not on based on doing something so God will love you. That's what it's saying in Philippians 3, 9. So if the enemy comes to you and, and he says, look, hey, you know what? You're the only one because you're not the favorite. Because God doesn't love you. Because you've done something wrong. You know what? Don't listen. Jesus has already done that work. Jesus has already died for you on your, uh, for your sins on the cross. Jesus has atoned for your sins. So now your righteousness, being right with God and God loving you, it's all there because of what God has done in your life. You're already accepted. You're already loved. You are, think of it this way, you are God's favorite. You know, I, I tell baby Riley, you're my favorite granddaughter in the whole world. And you might say, well, Pastor Rick, he's your, she's your only one. I go, yeah, but it's still true, right? Even though she's the only one, right? See, she's my favorite granddaughter in the whole world but let me tell you even if we had other granddaughters when they come and and, and grandsons and all you know they're all gonna be my favorite they will they're all my favorite well listen to me here's here's the thing with you and god god looks at you as his favorite he looks at all the children all his children as his favorite and he looks at you as if you are the only one. So don't get tripped up with the enemy. Don't let the enemy get to you in this way. Be an overcomer. Become a overcomer and not just a survivor by accepting the suffering as part of the faith. Well, let's go on here. Wait on God's justice. We've seen you are overcomers because why? We weather the adversity here. Let's go on to wait on God's justice. Now we're going to look at the next two verses here, verses 15 and 16. 
Take a look. Verse 15, it says, who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out and displeased God and opposed all mankind by hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved. So as always, to fill up the measure of their sins, but wrath has come upon them at last. And we'll stop right there. So in this section, we're going to be going over these two verses here. Now, Paul goes on to say that these Jews who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets. It was these Jews, it was, it was, it was these, these religious leaders, it was these guys with this kind of thinking. They came in and they, act, they killed Jesus and they, they even killed the prophets, the Old Testament prophets. Now, literally we know the Romans had put Jesus upon the cross, but it was the Jews who manipulated, politically manipulated the system to get Jesus there on the cross. And we, we know Jesus willingly gave his life there. He could have stopped all of this, but he willingly gave his life to die for our sins for us so we can have salvation, be made righteous, become God's favorites, right? We know that. But it was the Jews, this is what Paul is saying, who killed Jesus, who was the instigators, who was behind there, bitterly, angrily, jealously putting Jesus there on the cross. And not only that, the, their history shows in the Old Testament that the Old Testament prophets were also abused. They were, they were um, beaten up. They were killed and murdered also. These prophets that God sent, well, these Jews did the same thing, and that's what Paul is saying. And so Paul is saying, well, it's no wonder that in verse 15, they drove us out right? They ran Paul out of town. They persecuted them. They, 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 they didn't like that. They were, Paul says in verse 16, hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles. Now remember these, these Jews, these legalistic Jews, Jews, they hated the Gentiles. They, they, were, they felt like they were the special ones of God and the Gentiles were nothing. Um, they were basically racist in a way, you can say. They hated these Gentiles and thought they were nothing. And so they didn't like when Paul was speaking to them and saying that they can be saved. They said, no way, it's only us. And so uh, what's sad is, is they, that Israel, the Jews, were supposed to be the light of the world in the Old Testament. They were supposed to be a witness and go out and all that, but they did not do it. Do, do that. So they hindered Paul from speaking to the Gentiles so they might be saved. They opposed, Paul says in verse 15, all mankind. They went against what God wanted for human beings to be saved, that, that to know God's love and have a relationship with him. So you can see why he writes here that it, this displeased God and that constant going against what God wants. God wants to give love, but they say, no, 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 and going against and fighting all that. They filled up the measure of their sins, and wrath has come upon them at last. The, 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 the cup of sin filled up and overflowed. That's the uh, I, I, idea here. So because of this unchanging sin and opposing God, Paul sees the wrath, the judgment of God coming upon these Jews. Now, I want you to understand, Paul's not distressed here. He's, he's not angry under this persecution of these Jews. You know what? He's actually, he, he just simply waits on God's justice. He's an overcomer. An overcomer, you know what they do? They wait on God's 
justice. Paul's not angry. He's not upset. He's not God's going to get you kind of thing. He's just stating this plain truth. And I'll tell you what, no one knows better the thinking of the Jews than Paul because he was, he was like that, right? Before he got saved, before Jesus stopped him and gave him grace and mercy and called him to be a, a, a missionary evangelist. You know, he was just like these guys going after Christians. So he, if anyone, no one knows better than Paul here. He's, he's not saying too that Israel's not going to be saved. No, his heart is for Israel to be saved. Just read Romans 9, 10, 11. And, and Jews were getting saved, but it's these particular group of guys and like these religious leaders, they were the ones acting this way. And he's not, Paul is not being anti-Semitic here because he's a Jew himself, right? So he, he just is stating a basic fact of what's going on. And so when he says, but wrath has come upon them at last, what is that? Well, we don't really know exactly what he means by that. Some of the commentators speculate it could be that during that time around 49 AD that, that there was a massacre of Jews in the temple and they tried to rebel. Uh, there was a famine in the land at this time he could be talking about. He could be talking about 20 years from when he wrote this. The, the city of Jerusalem and the temple are going to be destroyed by the Romans. There will, their temple will be destroyed and their way of life, doing the sacrifices, going to the temple, the priests, all that was, was going to change. All the way even to this day, there is no temple anymore. So it could be that maybe he knows something about that. But it even could be that he's thinking about the great white throne, right? The judgment when we'll all, when all unbelievers will have to stand before God in that way. We don't know what exactly what Paul is indicating here. But what he's saying is God will and has already brings justice. You see, there comes a time when God's patience runs out when the measure of sins get full and God will bring justice. So here, Paul can hold on in faith and be an overcomer because of this. Overcomers are more than survivors for they know sooner or later times of injustice will bring times of justice. Understand that. This is what Paul knows. This is what Paul is saying. He's not angry, frustrated or anything. But he, he's an overcomer. And overcomers are more than survivors. For they know sooner or later, times of injustice will bring times of justice. I think about what Thomas Jefferson once said. He wrote, Indeed, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just. You see, Paul holds to that truth that God is just. He's holy. He's righteous. He's not like some corrupt judge and turns his head toward corruption. No, God will deal with sin. It's only his mercy, grace, and patience that he hasn't done that right away. So no matter the injustice, Paul trusts God that God will, in his way, in his time, he will make things right. And I'll tell you, we got to believe that. You and I, we got to believe that. We got to hold on to that truth. For, for when we feel unjustly treated, what happens? We usually take things into our own hands. And, and 
And that's the flesh usually. Our emotions, our, the hurt and all this stuff going on drives us to do things and say things we should not be doing as believers in Christ. But Paul, he believes in Jesus so much. He believes in the Lord. He believes in his holiness, righteousness, and his just that God is just, that he knows God will take care of those things. So overcomers are more than survivors, for they know sooner or later times of injustice will bring justice, times of justice. I was uh, uh, thinking about how when this mother ran into the bedroom when her seven-year-old son was screaming and she came running in and and she found the two her two-year-old daughter hanging on to the hair pulling on the hair uh with on on the on the seven-year-old son and so she came in and and pried off the fingers and everything and she she told the son there 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 it's okay you know what she didn't mean it she doesn't know that it hurts so she walked out of the room, and as soon as she was in the hall, suddenly the daughter is screaming. The two-year-old is screaming. So she runs back in, and, and, and uh, rushing back in, she says, What happened? Well, the little boy replied, She knows now. Isn't that what we do, though? Our right reaction right away is, Oh, yeah, I'm going to take care of it, right? I'm going to take vengeance. I'm going to bring justice. But, you know, that only drives more of the flesh. It only feeds the flesh. It's only giving into the flesh that anger and, and that, that desire to retaliate. But listen, you and I, we're not the judge. We're not the executioner of the sentence there. Let me say, it's not your job. And I'll say that again. It's not your job. Romans twelve nineteen, right? It says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. So we got to trust God that he will take care of justice. And you know what? We don't want to just survive these things. We want to be overcomers. We want to know sooner or later the times of injustice will bring times of justice. Listen, when, when you've been wrongly wrong there, you know, don't, don't give in to it or, or, or you won't be an overcomer. Don't be overcome with these things, but be an overcomer, right? By trusting God that he is a God of justice. Well, let's go on to number three now, our, our last heading here, work for the eternal price. You are an overcomer. Paul showing that him and the Thessalonians, and for us believers too, that we weather the adversity, we wait on God's justice. And now number three, we work for the eternal prize. Believers work for the eternal prize. Now, take a look at verse 17 through 20. That's what we're going to cover in, the, in this last section. But, but let's take a look at the first two verses, 17 and 18 right now. It reads, But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face. Because we wanted to come to you, I Paul again and again, but Satan hindered us. Now we'll stop right there. 
So we see here that, that Paul, he, he wanted to be with them. He, he, he really wanted to be there for them, but they were torn away. Remember that they had to leave and thread of their life and everything. So basically, they were torn away. And when he uses that word torn away, he's really speaking from their heart because he really wanted to be with them there. He wanted to be in person. He wanted to be right there. But when they left, it wasn't like that, that their heart left too. No, it was just in person. Their heart was still there with them. That's what he's saying there. Now, it could be, remember that, remember these Jews came in after Paul and they left and they were accusing Paul and his missionary team of, um, of, of doing things for their own gain and all of that. And it could be the, these Jews also came in, were accusing Paul and lying about Paul and saying, yeah, you know what, they left because they didn't really care about you. And they didn't come back because they really didn't care about you. But Paul's saying, no, my desire is to be there with you, to see you face to face. And you know what? We tried again and again, and maybe that means he tried twice or kept trying to get back to them. But notice, he says here at the end of verse 18, but Satan hindered us. We don't know what that was. We don't know how Satan hindered Paul. Um, but, but we do know Satan hates the word, you guys. Satan does not want the gospel to get out. The word hindered here means to obstruct. Literally, it, it says this in the Greek, breaking up the road and putting up obstacles. That's what the enemy does. Satan is actually actively trying to keep keep people from the word of god that's why i i pray our, our connection stays here i pray that that the power won't go out because many times i think satan's trying to you know mess things up here and perhaps satan's been trying to put roadblocks and potholes in your life to keep you from getting to church and get into word perhaps satan's been battling you and putting things in the way to keep you from coming to Jesus Christ. Maybe you've connected in and 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 you, you know this. You're seeing this now. You're seeing Satan's strategy that he's been hindering you from coming to Christ by putting these things and putting these things in the road. You guys understand. What Paul is saying here, that's exactly what Satan does. He hates the word. He hates the gospel. So don't let him stop you. Do whatever you can. Don't give in to his strategies here like he's been doing with Paul. Paul keeps fighting. Paul keeps battling. And he's trying again and again. Well, he goes on here in verse 19 and 20. Take a look at that. It says, For what is our hope or joy? Or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. So we see here now with Paul, even though he can't get to them, he does look ahead to a time. If he can't get to them now, if he doesn't get to them in the new future, he looks for the time in the far future that he will see them face to face and that's what he's talking about here when he says for what is our hope now when the bible says hope here in the new testament it's not like i hope it happens but hope whenever you see the word hope here it's talking about i know it will happen and so when he says what is our hope you know what my hope i'm gonna see you 
We're going to be face to face. What is our joy? The joy is going to be is they're going to be with uh, Paul. Paul's going to be with them forever, where he says, uh, when we are before our Lord Jesus at his coming. So when Jesus comes, they're going to be all together in the future in heaven. That's his hope. That's his joy. And I love this next thing he says here in verse 19, or crown of boasting, or pride of, of joy. No, pride, is that right? Pride of joy? <laughs> Uh, like pride and joy, pride and joy in that in that sense. So my wife just corrected me. <laughs> but anyway, um, and I need that a lot of times. So Paul's saying, you're my pride and joy, you guys. You know, um, when we're together with Jesus, when we're finally there in heaven, you know, to for you guys to be there, it's you. Is it not you? You're my hope. Is it not you? Um, the joy, is it not you? The crown of boasting is it not you and he says in verse 24 you are our glory and joy when he says crown what he's talking about is is our reward basically there's different crowns that spoken in the bible but here paul is saying you know what you're my reward for all that i've done in serving jesus you're my reward you're the one and and you're gonna be my prize and so paul is is like you're my glory and joy in that way so you see next to jesus the thessalonians and seeing the Thessalonians and being with them in heaven, that was going to be the greatest blessing for him. So here's the idea. What kept them going in difficult times, all his effort was to one day see the Thessalonians reach heaven with flying colors. That's it, you guys. All his effort, everything he did was to work for the eternal prize. And what's that prize? To see the Thessalonians there. You know, I like something Wiersbe said, and it really spoke to me in his commentary uh, talking in, in this verse. He said, in times of trouble and testing, it is important that we take the long view of things. Paul lived in the future tense as well as in the present. And I love that phrase, the long view. That's what we need to have in our eyes. So here's our last takeaway for this morning overcomers do more than just survive for every effort is done for the eternal benefit of others overcomers do more than just survive for every effort is done for the eternal benefit for others that's what paul is saying to see you guys in heaven come in flying colors Hey, that's my price. That's 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 my reward. That that'll be heaven for me, basically. And Paul's an overcomer, and so he can get through this time of Satan hindering him. He can get through the times of adversity and persecution. He can get through because he look he has a long view. He's an overcomer. Overcomers do more than just survive. For every effort is done for the eternal benefit of others you know i think about how many parents sacrifice and work hard for so so that their kids could be able to go to college and afford you know be able to even afford college i mean they put away much and make sacrifices they work hard for the future of their kids 
Or, 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 you know, I was just reading, you know, in Arizona, there's been a surge, you know, in coronavirus cases. And, and they're talking about how these nurses, I think this was in a Flagstaff hospital they're interviewing, and they, they come in and, and they, they suit up to take care of the COVID patients. And they suit up with this plastic kind of, uh, you know, suit thing with a helmet, with a fan in it. They, and, and, you know, it, it takes like 20 minutes for these nurses to suit up. And because it, 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 it takes so long, they, they try not to go bathroom for, for a long time. They don't eat that much and everything, so they don't have to keep taking it on and off. And, and, and you know what? They're working like six hours, eight hours in these plastic suits every single day. Why? For the for helping, for the benefit of these COVID patients. I was reading how one nurse said in all this and in like preparing and suiting up, he says, I felt like I was preparing for battle coming into work. I felt like I was leaving home and going into a war zone. But the sacrifices are worth it. They're to battle for the future life of these patients, right? Well, that's Paul. Paul was doing the same. He was battling. He was saving them. He was, it was all done for the future eternity of the Thessalonians. Overcomers, they do more than just survive for every effort is done for the eternal benefit for others. You guys, that's what we need to be. Let us keep our eyes on that long view so no matter how hard th things might become, this helps us to keep going, to be those overcomers. I don't know about you, but, you know, in this life, we do face a lot of things. This life, it's the world, right? It's um, the, the fallen world we live in. And so and people are fallen and they sin and they sin against us and the consequences affect us. And, and we live in a cursed, fallen world. So, so we have calamities that happen that sometimes we go through. But I don't want to just survive and get through it. I want to be an overcomer. How about you? Let's be overcomers in, in this. And you know, you know how we can do that? And what we're talking about right now is we know that there is a future to come when we will be with Jesus. When those around us, if they believe and come to Christ and accept them, they will be there. And that's what we battle for. That's what we fight for. We know despite all the adversity and hard times to go through now, there's an end to this when we're with Christ Jesus. Billy Graham once said, I've read the page of the Bible, or I've read the last page of the Bible. It's going to turn out all right. So you guys, don't live with the short view. Live with the long view. Everything you do, make it count for eternity. And I'll tell you, when you make it count for eternity, we find meaning and we find purpose in this life we live right now. And if you have meaning and purpose, you can get through anything. You can wake up every day and have something to live for. A missionary once was asked about his salary. This person knew he didn't really make that much money because he was a missionary. And he wanted to know, this person asking, why would anyone, you know, go and try and help total strangers for getting hardly any pay? Well, the answer to his question 
the missionary pulled out this little piece of paper, unfolded it, and read it to this person. And it said, if it weren't for you, I wouldn't know Jesus Christ is my Savior. Every morning, I kneel in prayer and thank God for everything you've done for me. That's what was on the note. So he folded it up, put it back in his, or, or he folded it up, and he said, this is my pay. I love that, you guys. No, that, that's what it's about. It's about that eternal benefit for others. And you know what? That gives meaning and purpose in our life, and we can be overcomers, not just survivors. Listen, as we close up here, no matter what happens, no matter the hard times, no matter the opposition, just know this. Jesus is with you. Remember, he said in John 16, 33, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart. What did Jesus say? You guys know. I have overcome the world. So take heart and see now, like Paul and Thessalonians, you are overcomers. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for dying on a cross and rising again from the dead. And thank you that you overcame sin and death, Lord. And so now we can be overcomers also. So, Lord, keep us strong. Keep us courageous, Lord. Keep us enduring with perseverance, Lord. God, we need you and we need more of your power more than ever. But we know that in you and with you, we are all overcomers. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship the Lord.